Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the suburbs of New York City. Apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Quarterfinal Sunday night slash Monday morning. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Well, that was a dramatic finish. Yeah, I... uh... It's getting you told late we were heading here. for extra time. So it's getting very late here on the East Coast. And mm. I thought we were steamrolling towards penalties uh, because that's just how things go sometimes. But no, no, no. A hero emerges. Matthew Hoppy scoring the late header. By the way, the first head uh, headed goal of his professional career. What a time he chose to do it. The U.S. win 1-0, setting up a semifinal matchup for them this Thursday at the a much more amenable time of 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, yes. against Qatar. You know you always throw the records out when the U.S. and Qatar meet in a Gold Cup semifinal. I'll tell you what, Qatar, one of the favorite Caribbean holiday destinations. Yeah. So the, yeah, you're a bit of an unconventional semifinal matchup. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But no, 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 we are here, JJ, to talk about what has just happened, not what is going to happen. That was the U.S. defeating Jamaica 1-0 on the night. Um, how do you want to go through this? Standout performers, guys who struggled sequentially? I, I think sequentially might be problematic because it wasn't one of those games. Well, I do want to say one thing. If we are going to talk, sequ- if we're not going to do sequentially, let me at least get this out of the way early. Uh, 15 seconds in and the U.S. just like, like that set a tone for me right out of the gate where I was like, oh, what are we getting here tonight? I mean, Jamaica just like, throwing the the press straight at the U.S., right. intense pressure, two blocks on attempted clearances for the U.S. They could not get the ball out of their own end, uh, and it set up a good chance for Jamaica within the first 15 seconds of the game. I, I think it set Jamaica's stall out as well in terms of, hey, we're not going to try, try and play it through you, but we are going to press you and try and create turnovers. And if you look at the Fleming shot, which was well-saved, by Matt Turner, that came from a, a turnover by the aforementioned hero of the night, which will now be forgotten that Matthew Hoppy went on a slaloming run in the middle of the field, lost the ball, and, and Fleming's had the shot, which was saved by, by Turner. But that was what they were trying to do. And tonight was one of those games, wasn't it? This was exactly how you would imagine in your brain, in your mind, of what a Gold Cup quarterfinal game against Jamaica would be. It was extremely physical, tense. Uh, It was nervy at times. It was Jamaica being, let's be honest, Theodore Whitmore sent his team out to be very direct. How many times in the first 10 minutes did we see long diagonal balls trying to get in behind our fullbacks and pin us back in in that way? They were never going to pass through us. They looked for the open play. And in fact, one of their best periods was when things got raggedy towards the end of the first half. And they looked to counter, looked to play in transition. And the U.S. were trying to play more ball, but were struggling for, for a lot of the game. And you felt this is going to come down to a little bit of grit, a tiny bit of imagination. And ultimately, that's what it was. Christian rolled down, getting to the byline, clipping it to the far post. Huge error by Andre Blake, no point saying. Otherwise, a guy who was very clean in his catching of crosses all night, makes a horrible decision, comes, doesn't get it. And Matthew Hoppy with his vertical vertical leap and nods at home. This was, um, someone tweeted this during the game. I don't remember uh, US v Jamaica games of the past being so scrappy. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> this is exactly what I expected. Tonight's game was 100% what I expected uh, from the matchup. And um, not a great game, not a classic, but uh, if you're a US fan, a classic finish. Yeah, I think by now in this tournament, we kind of know what we're getting from this U.S. team. I mean, this is now three of their four matches have ended 1-0. The only one that didn't was the one against Martinique. And um, I guess if we're going to make some kind of sweeping takeaways from the four games that we've seen so far in this tournament, you know, it's it's worth pointing out on the positive end of things that the U.S. have yet to concede a goal from open play. And they've done that with kind of a makeshift defense. You know, this is obviously not an A team to begin with. And, and then even by their defensive standards, you know, what, what did we think this was? A C squad? And then they lose Walker Zimmerman. And so I think the fact that they've been able to be so stout defensively and have 
guys emerge. Miles Robinson for me was the, the man of the match tonight right. for the U.S. I thought he was excellent. And I think he's been excellent throughout the course of this tournament. You know, James Sands again, maybe not quite to the level that he had been previously, but I thought tonight for the most part solid mm. fullback play. I thought once again Shaq Moore continuing not to give Greg Berhalter a reason to go to Reggie Cannon as the starter for the next game. I think you know a hockey assist for Moore on the goal set up Roldan, who then played in the ball. So. We, we, we're going to talk about the attack. We're going to talk about Daryl DK. But if we're going to start out with positives, I just think that overall, defensively, this has been an encouraging tournament for the U.S. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I think when you there was a moment in the first half when I saw James Sands just, you know, stride out of the back with the ball and play a pass that cut out four Jamaican players through the lines into the feet of I can't remember who it was but I just thought yeah I, I actually I would go as far as to say this is this has put a lot of thoughts into the mind of of Greg Bearhalter and go you on talk, you talked about Walker Zimmerman there and you look at I think Miles Robinson now and Sands have moved up the pecking order in a quite serious fashion after this tournament, I think, because they do the nitty gritty defending. And like, like, for example, if, and again, this could be me being prisoner of the moment. And I know he plays in Europe, but if you're McKenzie and you're watching this, you know, if you look at the composure that these guys have shown in the centre back position, and they're and 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 a crucial point being an ability, or say if you're Aaron Long, well, you know, he, I mean, he unfortunately has been, in, you know, I mean, that's it's it's really unfortunate what happened to him, but yeah. like that that wasn't a catastrophic injury, I know, but no, but do, but your point is well taken. What do that. what do we need from these defenders? We need we need defending. Yeah. We need the blocks that we saw tonight from Robinson. The way when Sands made that mistake and Robinson got in behind to ultimately win the ball, mm-hmm. when um, and even was it a mistake? He got beaten to a ball and there, a hole opens up. That's going to happen. You've got that defensive side of things too, but you've also got that passing ability. Bearhalter wants to to have more control of the ball and to be able to pass through the lines. And if you, in the modern game, your center backs need to be able to do that. And, and Sands can do that. So I think in, in a very serious way, they are, they have put themselves in, in the forefront of his mind right now. Yeah. Um, totally agree. I mean, the only one, you know, when Donovan Pines had to come on previously in against Canada, there were some shaky moments with him, but other than that, uh, I would say every guy in that back line has, has, just given exactly what you would hope to be getting from them. And I agree with you. I mean, I think that this is not going to be a one-off. Okay, guys, you know, this was a good tournament for you all. We'll, you know, we'll see you when we see you. I, I think you're right. I think at least Sands, Robinson, who knows about Shaq Moore. Um, but I think these guys could potentially play a role at, uh, at World Cup qualifying. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting too, because we almost forget with the way that World Cup qualifying structure has changed this year because of how they're trying to cram it in Stu Holden, I think it was, or Rob Stone, one of them mentioned at the end of the game tonight, how, you know, it's now three games in a week. Yeah. So like you, there is going to have to be squad rotation. Depth is going to matter now more than ever when it comes to the qualifying cycle. So like, this is not just like a pat on the back for these guys. Like Greg Bearhalter is actually out there trying to determine who he can use when he has to rotate that squad or if an injury occurs and you have to go even deeper into the squad in some of those games, like this is, this is now proving to be valuable information gathering for him. Oh, a hundred percent. And and again, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast. I think that we did, you know, there is only, I think one inter uh, qualification window that will have just two games. The rest are all three game slots and they, and it looks grueling, but that's, that's for another night. Um, but certainly food for thought, um, more than food for thought, a meal for, for Greg to consume. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a lot of good things happening near the back for the U.S. Matt Turner included, by the way, who, like we said, you know, the only goal he's conceded so far has been a penalty. Solid. Um, you know, he's made a few saves that I would say have been fairly elite. A lot of his saves, you know, Jamaica tonight, I think they ended, they had five shots on target in the first half. I think they ended, I don't think they had any on target in the second half. 
Um, you know, a couple of those were good. Maybe, you know, I think Turner, one of Turner's better saves occurred on one that didn't count. It would have been an offside. Um, but, you know, he's, again, him as well, doing everything that's been asked of him so far. Um, um, Jamaica manager Theodore Whitmore uh, in his press conference, as reported by Jeff Carlisle on Twitter, said the game is about taking chances. And the U.S. did that tonight. And I would say that just to go back to what you're saying about opportunities, Bobby Reed's chance at the at the end of the first half was about as weak an effort as you're going to see. But as it was the best chance of the night for me, the most open chance of the night. I don't and, know. I don't know exactly what happened there. If he maybe lost track of where he was, if maybe mm. did he think he was in an offside position and it didn't matter? Uh, I, I don't. That, I'd be curious if someone gets a comment from him just on what went wrong there because. Um, it didn't, it almost didn't even look like, like it, I, I took some notes and I put Bobby Reed scuffs a shot, but then upon watching the replays, it didn't even look really like a scuffed shot. It just almost looked like a half effort. Did he, did he, I mean, did he think, oh, maybe I'm in an offside position? Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. It was, did he, was he surprised that it made it through to him? But it was the, the more you watch it on the replay, you're like, oh, good Lord. And he was, he was absolutely devastated. Also Whitmore added that uh, Leon Bailey who everyone thought was going to start this game and was a major attacking threat for Jamaica was carrying a knock from the game against Guadalupe. And that's why he didn't play tonight. That is unfortunate. Yeah. Big miss for them. Yeah. 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 Um, this is a like just looking at the names on this Jamaica team and watching the way they play. It's a good side. Um, that they have so did, did, yeah and I, I don't I didn't mean to be disparaging at the top of the podcast they play in a certain way like Andrew they had no they weren't going to do what we what the US were trying to do uh, you know be very constructive at the back and play through the lines a lot of it was like how can we get these guys turned and it was about winning second balls and 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 being in a battle and that's where you felt at the end of the first half you thought Jamaica have got this game the way they want it now it's broken up. They're winning second balls. They're getting at the U.S. And, and we have to, to show that grit and fight. And, and the second half was pretty much like that, too, as well. Um, that's what Jamaica do to you. They, they make it so difficult to play. There is a physicality level there, no question. Um, and you have, to, you have to rise in your intensity to meet it. I didn't think Buzio... I didn't think the midfield in general, Leggett or Buzio in particular, in the first half, got to the pace of the game. Um, well, let's stick, think... let's stick with the good first because okay. I, I want to talk about some of those right. guys too. Um, you know, we'll work our way up. We'll starting, we started with the defense. Can work our way up a little bit. You know, you're talking about the midfield. Um, I would say that I thought Kellen Acosta had a good game, and I think he's had a good tournament so far. Uh, I thought he, his energy was was immense he got around the field a lot he did what needed to be done in in playing in that central role in the center of the park and i mean what was for most of the game a 4-3-3 i thought he was good i definitely think so he had that volley right before halftime it was that was very much the uh well that would have been awesome moment of the match yeah he struck it well if anything andrew he caught it too well he's hit that too well for me soccer cliches at uh, at a quarter past midnight but um no i thought he was very very good well he does what i wish some other guys would do um in that yeah you know, i'd like to see you know people put out their their charts and graphs of pass distribution mm. you know where players are passing the ball laterally backwards forwards i feel like acosta more than some of the other guys in that midfield is generally looking to push play forward um, I would, I would say so. I think so. Um, and as Alexi Lalas said prior to the game, you know, this is be, going to be a game where the U.S. will have the, you know, they'll be set up to have the most amount of possession. And if you had any criticism, I know you're trying to stay, stick on the good of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had any criticism, you, you feel like, well, there wasn't enough of, of a link between the midfield and the attack. There wasn't enough chances created, enough enough good patterns of play created, but certainly in energy and intensity and and like you said, driving the play forward. I thought Kellen Acosta did well. I think actually, I think I know apart from the assist, but I thought Roldan did de- did decently when he came into the game as well, outside of the assist. Yeah, 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And then going all the way up, I mean, Matthew Hoppy, obviously getting his first international goal, like I said, his first headed goal professionally um, and doing so at a, in a late stage of a quarterfinal of, um, of, a, of a tournament. So certainly a night to be happy if you're him. His last touch of the ball was that goal. Uh, he was taken off immediately after that. So it was it was a big moment for sure. And I'm glad that he got the goal because, you know, he was uh, whatever attack that we saw before then, you know, he had a couple missiles fired at Andre Blake that were just kind of a little bit too central, a little bit mm. too at the keeper, but they were well taken shots. You know, he Two keeps volleys. His, yeah. Yeah. Keep, you know, both volleys keeps them on target. Um, so, it, you know, got himself in a good position for that headed goal. And it was like I said, it was a well-worked play. Shaq Moore again coming forward finding Roldan who just kind of clipped it perfectly had a couple guys in the area just sailed a little bit over DK uh, but Hoppy was right there and like you said Blake coming out for it whiffed um, with poor by him and mm. Hoppy capitalized and you know I think it's it was a good night for him certainly and I, I do wonder now so now we're heading into the semifinals and I just wonder okay is this now the strike partnership Hoppy and DK or has mm. DK not shown enough? Has he kind of had his chance? Do they go back? We're at the business end of this tournament here. I mean, we're into the semifinals. The U.S. at this point, we, you know, you get this far, you may as well win it. Um, is it okay? We've we've gotten information on DK. Good player hasn't had the tournament we hoped. Let's go win this thing now, and and maybe this is a situation where they think Zardis is the one more likely to do that for them. But I wonder if Hoppy showed enough tonight where you can't really take him off. No, I, I I would agree with your Hoppy call. I think Hoppy now will start against Qatar, um, and I think he'll start in the final should the US get there. I am zapping myself mentally at mm. uh, jumping ahead so far. Good Lord, have you um, learned nothing? I know, I know. Uh, DK is interesting to me because I think he's had a, what would we say, a downward trajectory since the championship playoffs against Swansea where he wasn't in the game. He started the game at uh, Oakwell against Swansea and didn't get a kick and then was dropped for the next game, came on and was easily dealt with. And I'm just wondering if we're seeing more leveling off of what's happening here. That flurry of goals he scored for Barnsley was, was good and well and he had it fantastic. Uh, period at Oakwell, but it's not working out right now, Andrew. You know what? What are the the touch count was something that people talked about. Uh, that the commentary team talked about how he had so few touches. I do think that was just part of the game as well. But there was that one ball over the top in the first half, which um, San, James Sands played, which I thought was a beautiful pass. There was space to play it, but he he still was able to do it. And on a difficult surface, he put enough backspin and it's straight into, into DK's path. And he runs at the defenders and it just kind of get kind of gets tied up and it allows Fisher to get back who puts the block in. And you just think he's lost a bit of the, I don't know, you know, strikers have that moment where the, there's the sharpness. There's the, like he also in the second half, remember there was a good run down by the uh, down the right. Can't remember who made the run, but the ball's cut back and he whiffed on it. Remember, it, it's it's coming through a few bodies and he just he just swings at it. Mm. He's just, I don't know, he's just struggling right now at the moment. And I yeah. goals against Martinique, all well and good, but it's not like he's kicked on. He was no, I mean even even Bearhalter himself basically came out after that game and said this was not a game where we really learned much. This was no. kind of just a game on our schedule that we have to play. Yeah, and it's not, I don't know, is it a case that we're, you know, that flurry of goals for Barnsley maybe is, is you know, that's not quite where his level is um, because it can happen for strikers. Things can fall for them or whether it's the case he just needs a goal. So get- I, I don't know that I'd, I'd be willing to go that far. I mean, I, I think he did it for Orlando City and then he went, you know, remember they, they mentioned that on the broadcast, he's only been a professional for a year. Yeah, so he played well at Orlando City, leveraged that into an opportunity to go to the championship, continued to play well. Now he's come back here. And like you said, you know, it's it's kind of an awkward tournament. These games are weird. His midfield, if you're talking, you know, you always stress the importance of link up play. His mm. midfield has not really 
it's not a cohesive unit. No. Um, you know, he's playing alongside guys that he hasn't really had the opportunity to gel with. It's only like in the grand scheme of things, we magnify each of these games, you know, tenfold because it's tournament play. But ultimately, you know, he's really just played three games. He didn't start the first one. Um, so like I, I don't know that I'd be willing to take a three game set where he has struggled. Well, well uh, by the way, one of those games he hasn't struggled. It's really just Canada and tonight. So two games he struggled. I don't know if I can look at that and say everything he did at Orlando City and Barnsley, maybe he's not that good because two games against Canada and Jamaica in a weird Gold Cup, he struggled. I understand what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm, I'm also putting it out there that maybe he just needs uh, a goal against a good side and that'll put, kick him back into gear again. But like, we're not seeing an awful lot from him. The ball goes up to him, Andrew. It doesn't stick up there. So he's not even doing, you know, the kind of hold-up play that you need to do. And I think what Bear, Bear Halter will do is he'll start Zardes uh, in the next game. And I think he'll he'll uh, he'll give DK a rest. Now, DK also came into this game with a tight hamstring, I believe, from the last game. So, you know, I'm just... Look, it's 12.34 in the middle of the night. Perhaps I am being too harsh on Daryl DK. Is this something that happens to you as it gets later? You become groggier, more judgmental. You know what I'm like. like if, anyway. if we were doing this podcast right now at 3 a.m., would you be sitting here basically just cursing Dro- out? I, I would be like, drop him. He must never wear the shirt again. Um, quick one for you, Andrew, though, uh, which will bring us back into Hoppy a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Grant Wall tweeted this. There, this is a very polite U.S. team. Wish it were less so. Now, I know what he means. He'd like to see a hard-edged, streetwise, kind of tougher U.S. team. Um, but I would think that Grant is wrong in that, in the sense that, yeah, probably throughout the team, we are a bit nice. Um, well, what's he looking Is he looking for Jermaine Jones? I mean, is he looking kind of for that, like, most U.S. teams have one guy, typically, that you can identify as being kind of the nasty enforcer. Well, no, I don't think he means enforcer. I think he means just like a little like, throughout the team because he's not, he, he's talking about the team as a whole. So he's not saying this midfield needs a Roy Keane or a Nigel de Jong or, you know, a Dennis Wise. He's not saying that, mm. but he's saying it's a bit nice. Maybe it's a bit green is what he's suggesting. But I don't think Hoppy is nice at all. In fact, I thought he was, you know, he was throwing the stank guy out a lot. I, I think he's a really competitive I thought um, he was fortunate to avoid being yellow carded early in this game. For the, petulance. So, yes, agreed. Yeah. Uh, they, they called. There were a couple touch fouls called on him. There was the one there where the ball was being played to him in a position where if he gets it, he's going to have a scoring opportunity. Mm. And the Jamaican defender, I don't remember who it was, kind of backs into Hoppy and goes right down. And where I, you see those called, I'm not going to say sure. it was egregious, but Hoppy was he was pissed. And he, right. Kick but the, he, he kicked the S out of the ball. And I thought, he, you're going to get a yellow for that young fellow. But he, looks like he's, he looks like he's got an edge. So I don't think, yeah. I, I, and, and that's what you need. That's the one thing we said consistently about Clint Dempsey. I mean, we subsequently. Well, he just, had, I mean, we subsequently, he had the edge, yes. Well, he had the edge of a piece of glass stuck in his hand yeah. prior to a Europa League yeah. or UEFA Cup semifinal or whatever it was. So look, I, I, uh, I just thought it was interesting from Grant because I kind of know what he means. But also, I uh, I disagree in the sense that I think I think Hoppy is that guy. He's he seems ultra ultra competitive. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. Hoppy will have more opportunities. He'll get more comfortable, and maybe we'll see what his soccer personality is. And maybe that is maybe he is going to be that guy um, who who can kind of provide that sort of uh, spark. Is your um, is your garden? better uh, manicured and in better shape than Jerry world was tonight. Uh, right now I'd say they're, they're comparable. Mm. It's yeah. Not good. Not a great, not no. a great pitch tonight. No, it seemed very, very dry, uh, irregular bounce and a lot of bobbling. And as the guys pointed out on the commentary, John strong and Stu Holden, it's, it's basically a pitch, a grass pitch that's been put down on top of the turf and laid out. And you can tell, you can see the seams and uh, that it's not conducive to good soccer or passing soccer. In fact, I, and especially after, you know, it, it, I I really don't think it was watered either. And if it's not watered, the ball is not going to move in the same fashion. So, 
I wonder a little bit, JJ, there's a few things with this tournament that I wonder about. Mm. Uh, One of which being like, why, why was this game at 10 o'clock Eastern time? Like, why are you kind of taking out half the country from your viewing audience and starting this game on a Sunday night that late? I don't, I, I personally don't understand that. Like if, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to have the conversation about growing the game in the United States because I, don't, I think that's, we don't need to do that. But like, but, but it's, it a, wasn't... It's, a, it's a knockout stage match of a tournament. And like, why, I just don't get why, why, why you're deciding to start this marquee game at such a late hour on But a wasn't it because the game that before, like they put the two games at, like, so you're saying to start. Okay, fine. The- Start one earlier. Four and seven. Okay, right. Gotcha. Like I, I don't know. Like it, it's Sunday. Yeah. I, I don't get that. And then the other thing is like, uh, for a quarterfinal, um, I don't know. Like why? Why are we using some of these hundred thousand seater venues that aren't soccer specific? Yeah, I agree. We're not short of soccer stadia in no. this country now. So why not? And, and figure- by the way, the semifinals at all in Austin, right? In in their their nice tight new stadium. Like so- why couldn't this have been in Orlando or you know? I, I mean, I'd have to look at you know. I, I know there's MLS games happening all over oh, the place. Whatever. Right I mean, something can get moved. Yeah. A schedule can be changed. Uh, I agree with you. The cavernous, cavernous surrounds of Jerry World. Yeah. Um, just just something I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I'm sure there's a lot of imperfections with this tournament, but um... impossible. <laughs> One other thing. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about other things, but something else I was thinking about tonight uh, while we're talking about if we want to transition, use this as a transition point into some of the negatives. Um, you know, I know we mentioned DK. Yeah. It's interesting, JJ. I, you know, I don't, I never feel that I allow my opinions to be shaped necessarily by what I hear other people say or think, whether it be on Twitter or on television. But if I hear something that's totally contradictory to my own thoughts, I will, I will at least allow that to give me pause and think more about it and say, okay, what am I missing here? And I had one of those moments tonight um, because I I don't want to be too hard on him. I, I didn't think that this guy was terrible tonight. But at halftime, you know, I had my first half notes and one of the guys who I thought kind of left me wanting, you know, somebody who I thought just was kind of not great in the first half was John Luca Buzio. Mm. And then I heard Alexi Lalas at halftime, pretty effusive in his praise. He made a package. Yeah, they had a highlight reel of, of Buzio's moments in the first half and his defensive the, work. So that that's what I wanted to talk about is. When I was watching Buzio, I actually made a note because I talked before, JJ, about Kellen Acosta. And one of the things that I liked about him is I feel like he's pushing play forward. His passes are more attack minded. Look, maybe Buzio, maybe that's not his job. Maybe he's more of a holding guy who just like keep possession. But I I made a note here that, you know, his first four passes were all backward. Um, Later in the half, he had another backward pass that was misplaced. He had one of those same deal in the second half, a backward pass that was also misplaced. He did that a couple of times. You're right. So like, and you know, Alexi Lalas and that, and the Fox highlight package, it did note, you know, they did a good job of showing that some of his defensive work was good. And sure. I, I like seeing that from a young player who but it was, guy, it was, I mean, it was mainly running around and uh, to, to use an American parallels, good hustle. Right. You know, it, but, it, but by the same token, they also important. chose, uh, they also chose not to show when he got roasted by O'Neill Fisher in the first mm. half who who went right by him. So I don't know. I, I thought I found it curious. Yeah. And, and look, overall, I feel that this has been encouraging for him. I sure. mean, he's basically, you know, he's been like his, his first game in this tournament coming on as a sub. And like a day later, it was like, well, Syria A clubs are lining up to sign him. It's like, wow, this is life comes at you fast when you're that yeah. age, isn't it? But, um, I don't know. I thought tonight he was like, if I was listing my players for the U S men tonight in order of best to worst, uh, he would either be in the middle or on the lower end. I was a little, and I don't know. I was just a little bit surprised to hear Alexi so high in his praise of Buzio, or maybe I'm just being harsh, but, uh, but also in the pregame, he, uh, you know, Alexi was pushing the idea, you know, come on, you got to show us put in a performance. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember. I'm paraphrasing. No. So he, he wasn't, you know, the halftime effusiveness took caught me off guard, uh-huh. um, 
But then uh, Alexi had a mixed night of uh, prognosticating, um, describing Andrea Blake as world class or one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and that, and then doubling down by saying any team would be better for having him. Oh well, I mean the US were definitely better for having him playing tonight. Um, and and, and that, I I think he he's think very he, good though. I mean uh, Andre, Andre Blake, Blake is a very good keeper. I just you know maybe it's because he's a goalkeeper. The mistakes are kind of ingrained in your mind more. But I literally saw him give away three goals in an MLS Cup playoff in in 2019 against the Red Bull. Like, All right, but but Bull. he's not. He's also not two-time MLS goalkeeper of the year, reigning goalkeeper of the year by accident. Don't, I mean, you, I, they, don't you start now because you are the man who has had more segments on our podcast about bad MLS goalkeeping than anybody in the world. So I don't Yeah, know. there's a lot of it, but he's not typically <laughs> someone that I attribute no, that I sort do, of stuff to. And I don't think he's a bad keeper. He but, had a bad but, moment tonight. But the, Alexi didn't have to. Like Sometimes I, I feel like the Lalas doth protest too much about the quality of the league. He has to say that any team in the world would want this guy. No, they wouldn't. Or they'd have him. All right? You know, if 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 anyone wanted him, they'd have him. They well, don't. I'll, I'll, say, <laughs> I'll say this. Um, there was one thing in particular with Alexi that he said tonight, that, mm-hmm. and leave it to him to say this, that I did agree with, and that was the American set pieces. Oh, um, yeah, he was right about that. Holy yeah. Moly. I mean, some of which, you know, not they being able stank, to... They stank, Andrew. They were terrible. Yeah, yeah. And that's... That's a little bit worrisome in a tournament because I think oftentimes Leget, we, we lean on looked, set pieces to get goals in some of these tournament settings. And that's why the U.S. are eking out one nils right now. 100%. Sorry to cut across there, but Leget tonight, he just looked weary to the point where they, they changed it up and they had um, Vines taking a few of the corner kicks. And you, you can have a night like that, but there was one. Was it just before halftime or just after the halftime break where Leget, you know, he gets it. It's in a good position, uh, position, and you're okay. Right. Let's let's get a delivery in here. And it was like, it was just the worst, like limpest delivery that was just cleared. And you're yeah. like, yeah. And and they just- would they tried a little bit of inventiveness in kind of laying it off to Sam Vines, I think, for him to play it in for maybe a better angle. But the result was was the same. He kind of airmailed one that Blake was able to easily handle. It yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just. That that in particular was something that I thought, okay, this this needs to be addressed. This needs to be worked on because this is like balls would go off for corner kicks, and I don't think anyone in Jamaica was was nervous. There was, you know, no, they were all right. dealt with easily. Uh, any free kick was dealt with easily. If only James Ward Prowse had like an American grandfather or something, <laughs> we could really use someone like that right about now. But yeah. I mean, look, when we get our A squad back, we'll have there's a greater list of guys who who can do this there's, there's more contenders but also you can have you can have off nights from set pieces where it's just not going right and again not to make excuses but you're kicking it off a surface that is you know less than less than optimal yeah um i suppose that's true and actually, i guess no, that actually no i take that back that, that is a massive massive excuse jj and you shouldn't have allowed yourself to to utter such inanity it's such stupidity in into the world yeah, it's a on. dead ball they should still be able to kick it off that surface there tonight in arlington yeah and uh, but i now on that note i'm trying to think about jamaica's i don't know they had some that were a little bit more threatening than the americans um i remember they had one that kind of i think just went right through it went untouched but it was oh, yeah, a dangerous but, spot that kind of went right that through was the a middle dribbler. Of the i mean you, you could have hit that one even you yeah who was dreadfully limited in a soccer sense. Not with my right foot, just only with my left. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but that one, that one dribbled all the way through. And who was it? Um, Nicholson. Nicholson was stretching for it. I mean, that was another pretty good chance that Jamaica conjured up. Um, yeah. Tough one tonight, Andrew. One that you're just glad to see the back of, to be honest with you, because we've, me and you have sat here and done podcasts. The 2015 Gold Cup. That's a, that, that was a pretty... I know everything, nothing can be as low as what happened in Trinidad and Tobago in terms of us recording a podcast directly afterwards. But we were pretty low after the uh, Gold Cup in 2015. That, Against that Jamaica. Def- yeah, that defeat to Jamaica was... Yeah, I remember that night well. I was in Chicago mm. um, working for that week. And uh, I remember I watched that game at a bar. 
And when I got back to my hotel room, uh, I went on Twitter and I was, it was one of the first nights because we started this podcast in 2014. So at that point, mm. we were still fairly new. And it was one of the first nights where my Twitter was just lit up yeah. with raged, <laughs> enraged American fans. And I remember um, this is, this did not age well. But I remember trying to talk people off the ledge about Klinsman. Oh, Andrew. <laughs> and you know what? You well, have... Because if you remember that game, like remember how the goals were scored for Jamaica. You had they they referenced one tonight. Kamar Lawrence had a long throw in where was... Um, was it? Uh, who was it? Um, it was Maddox, was it? Yeah, Darren Maddox, who had a header from about 14 yards out where he wasn't facing the goal. It was like the first header. It. it looped over. Uh, it was Brad Guzon in, night, in that, that yeah. night, I think. No. So you had that goal. And then you had the other one. What, uh, to this day, I still reference it when I'm watching Premier League or whatever, where they made the call on Guzan as he's trying to throw it out uh, that when he released the ball, his hand was still touching it when it was a centimeter out of the box. JJ, this is a thing that happens in every single game. And by the yeah. way, even looking, through, I'd want to look at the replay again to see if Guzan's <laughs> hand was actually out. And then Jamaica converted the free kick. That's right. They wound up winning that game too. That was a good goal though. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was kind of a weird game and the fire Klinsman stuff. Cause up to that point, that was one of the really first bad moments for Klinsman and people wanted him gone immediately. And I said, okay, like this goes down as a strike, but like we can't be firing guys after the first thing that goes wrong. We, we, I, can't, we just can't be like I, that. I hate to do this to you, but um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I really hate to do this to you, but you're the guy who was on uh, New York radio as well and said after we lost 2 0 away to Guatemala, everyone just calmed down. There's a long way I to did, go. Yeah. Well, that was now that was in the uh, before the hex, though. Yeah. Which we, which we did get through. We did. We, well, I mean, we got through that portion of qualifying. <laughs> we did, yeah. So I was right. True. Were you? A hundred percent. Okay. I mean, look, who, who could have foreseen what? Oh my what? God, we're spiraling back into that night. Come on, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. So the U.S. 1-0 tonight. Um, I don't have a ton more on this one. I'm, cu- I'm very curious about what happens this Thursday at, uh, um, against Qatar. Yes, um, um, I can give you a, a kind of a, not really a, a scouting report on them. I'm not going to list a load of Qatar players' names and pretend to you like I know everything about them, but I have, um, in, in Ireland's restless search for a win under Stephen Kenny, which, I mean, took how many games? a record amount of games to get his first win. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't against Qatar. Um, the, the challenge of Qatar will be much different to what we had tonight. In fact, they're going to try and play a lot more football. They're, they're much more, um, how would we put it, progressive in the way that they play. They're probably more similar to the US in what they're going to try to do. And that, to me, is really, really curious. They will try and pass the ball. They will try and... Uh, find players between the lines. They will try and, you know, um, basically play football. You're not going to have the same kind of CONCACAF scrap, for want of a better word, that we saw tonight. Um, and so I'm absolutely fascinated about this, about this game because it's almost like, and you know what, I'm setting myself up for a fall here. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Qatar have been infected by by what CONCACAF is, but... I expect it to be a, a very different game and maybe almost like a break from gold cup in the middle of gold cup in the manner of the way the game is played. Meaning what you're looking for a much more open game. Is oh, what I, I think, I think, I think much more open, um, less physical in, in what we, than the things we saw tonight, certainly less long diagonals into the corner, trying to expose your fullbacks, things like that. Qatar uh, will be more, progressive i think so espn has just updated their gold cup spi projections if you're mm. curious jj uh they give the united states uh, a 79.7 percent chance of reaching the final um mexico a 60.8 percent chance of reaching the final then canada at 39.2 qatar at 20.3 because of that 
um, essentially they they view Qatar as the clear fourth of these four remaining teams. So because of that, the U.S. have been given the best percentage chance of winning the whole thing at 48 percent with Mexico at 30 percent because Mexico, Canada is, I mean, on paper thought to be a a more competitive matchup than what the U.S. and Qatar is. I don't know that I agree with that necessarily. Uh, I don't necessarily, I don't think I could sit here right now and tell you that the U.S. are going to coast by Qatar. Um, but I would expect the United States to win. Uh, it'd be well, obviously disappointing if they weren't able to do that. They, they should win this game. If, uh, if you were picking a team from CONCACAF that's kind of uh, moving forward in the right direction, it would have been El Salvador, mm-hmm. who are a tough team to play against. And Qatar found a way to get past them, um, albeit uh, conceding two goals within three minutes of each other that really put um, El Salvador back in the game, but they got it done in the end. So um, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I I think the U S will do it. So uh, we will be back on Thursday uh, with another bonus podcast for you to recap that one. Uh, Before we get out here tonight, JJ, anything else that we want to talk about? I know the U S women have played a couple of their Olympic matches. Uh, the first yeah. one, the first one being, I mean, one of those that you kind of woke up uh, the day, that morning. Cause that game was at four 30 Eastern time. And you, you kind of like quickly looked at your phone and saw the score and thought, wait, am I, am I awake? Yeah. Am I seeing that? It was pretty shocking. And not just, you know, I think you saw the score and you kind of thought, all right, well, like that's obviously terrible for them. We didn't expect that. You kind of think maybe they still played well, but you know how this sport can be where like right. you can play well, but then like Sweden maybe gets you a few times on the counter, but it wasn't even like that. It was just a bad performance in total by the U S women. Yeah. Um, I've never, I, it's, I say never, I don't. Yeah. I, I will say it. <laughs> I've never seen them overran in midfield in the same fashion. I've never seen them just outplayed generally. Um, Black Stenius could have had four or five goals in the game, honestly. Um, Alison Air made some some important saves that made things a lot less worse on the scoreline, at least, um, than it could have been. I, I, I thought the Swedes were very good at creating like overloads, uh, particularly down Crystal Dunn's side. It was it was a, a chastening result, and then the U.S. were lucky in the sense that they had on Saturday yesterday they had that game against New Zealand, which was a settling game where they could bang in six and kind of you know settle into the tournament now. But it was a, a jarring start, a really well, poor start. Yeah, and to hear Lindsay, I think it was Lindsay Horan afterwards who said about it that their the U.S. mentality was just not right. I didn't understand that. How could well, that I, be the case? I, I mean, there's only for me, there's one way to read into that. And I read it as complacency. We we just beat everyone. That's what we do. We'll show up. But Sweden is the one team yeah. in, in, in the run that they've had. That was the only team to get a, a draw against them lately. So why would they not be a little bit more on their guard against the side that no team has their number, but at least knows how to get at them? I, I, it's incredible to me. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not crazy for me to think that a team that wins all the time can benefit from a wake up call. And so yeah. now we'll see if they, if they kick on and do that, you're right. Evidence from the second match suggests that, you know, they hopefully they have, but they're going to play more difficult teams than New, Ze- than New Zealand. If they're going to go on and win this thing, certainly. So we'll have to wait and see uh, on the men's side earlier today, JJ, you're going to have a hard time finding a, a more entertaining game than the four, three played out between France and South Africa, where it was nil, nil at the half. Um, yeah. They got a second half hat trick from Gignac um, to go along with the winner. In Delighted stoppage time. Yeah. Winner Absolute. in stoppage time from seven. Yeah. I hope he enjoyed a big Mac. Poor Lee, poor Gignac. <laughs> um, we should probably mention as well, while we're at it, Andrew, that uh, Canada has, done something that they don't regularly do uh canada reaches its fourth gold cup semi-finals the first since 2007 paul carr tweeted this out now they're playing mexico and they are going to be significantly impacted they've got some suspensions and yellow cards from today's game plus the injuries that they already had 
to their key forward players. But um, they look really good today against Costa Rica. Costa Rica looked not the Costa Rica of old. Maybe an old Costa Rica is the best way to put it. And that they're in a, they're in a moment to transition now, which we knew would come at yeah. some stage. But um, Canada passed and moved the ball well and uh, completely dominated that game. In fact, I don't think Costa Rica had a shot on target. Yeah, not what we've come to expect from them. But you're right, Canada are in the, mo- in the middle of a, a bit of a moment for them. Uh, and they're doing this, of course, without Alfonso Davies as well, who checked out of this tournament beforehand with an injury. So, yeah, props, uh, props to them. Uh, one thing that I had on the MLS front, which I found interesting. Um, so NYCFC won earlier today, 5-0. Yeah. yeah, thrashing. Five goals from five different players. You like to see that. A um, lot of guys involved. But it was something that uh, I saw from Ian Joy on Twitter um, where he was, which I found interesting, where he, he kind of went off on a bit of a rant. I would, I would suggest you check it out. I think it's on his Twitter okay. online uh, where he, he basically is talking about you know, this, this new stadium situation with NYCFC that we've just been waiting on and waiting on what mm. is the problem. And I give him credit. He said, you know, it seems like City Football Group have everything in order. So I went to Randy Levine, the president of the Yankees, and said, and I basically had a 30-minute conversation with him, the I being Ian Joy. I'm talking from his perspective yes. for anyone who didn't hear it. Uh, and he said, I, I basically asked him the hard questions. Why is this not happening? What is the holdup here? And he came away from it believing that the Yankees have everything ready to go. City Football Group has everything ready to go. The only people who don't is the city of New York. They are the stopping block right now to this happening. That they might have the priority, other priorities other than a uh, Middle Eastern-owned soccer club's new stadium at heart. Well, is to hear, well, well, here's the thing: to hear he enjoy it. This is privately to hear what he says. This is privately funded money that they're coming up with. I think they're trying to privately come up with a billion dollars. And I believe he says, I'd have to listen to it again, but I think in when he goes off on this, he says the money has been raised. It's ready. Everyone's ready to go. It's the city that isn't. And part of that money, it's not just a stadium, it's housing, it's retail, it's a school. Hmm. Um, So I don't know. It's, I found it interesting hearing um hearing him talk about it because i'd be curious to know you're right i'm sure the city i'd like to think the city has some reason i'm sure they do i'd be curious what it is yeah i i would like to know that too um but this is an ongoing saga and to be fair to ian he is the you know i know he works for the yes network he does the commentary i understand that but he gets all the questions on Twitter and on social media yes. from NYCFC fans. Well, he is almost treated like like an extension of the club. He he says in this, he's like, people can stop like ripping me now for this not happening. <laughs> it's it's not me. It's not the Yankees. It's not City Football Group. It's the city of New York. So he's mm. pretty explicit in saying that. It was interesting. So check it out. Yeah, I, I I'll be curious. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will check that out before I make any further comment. And on our next podcast, we will be, I'm sure, talking about the larger city football group, uh, Manchester City, who have been in the papers again uh, during the week. And the um, uh, article in the Daily Mail about uh, financial fair play, Andrew, this story is, is not going away. But yeah. um, that's detail, I think, for another podcast, a, a Premier League podcast. Yeah. And one before we check out one final note for me, a personal note, uh, JJ, one of my th- this, I would say this snuck up on me a little bit. I oh don't boy. know that I was totally ready for this, but one of my all time favorite Tottenham players is moving on from Spurs. Toby Alderweireld, uh, going off to Qatar. Oh, no. Sign with Al Duhail, uh transfer of reported at 13 million pounds. Ah, yeah. So I was a little bit surprised to see that. Um, I guess Nuno has his thoughts and that, and his plans for Tottenham moving forward. And Toby Alderweireld was not part of it. Uh, I would say of this era for Tottenham, obviously he had some moments under Mourinho where he was kind of ushered in and out of the starting 11 for, for whatever good things and for whatever support I did have of Mourinho. That was always one thing that I didn't quite understand. I, I, typically have been of the opinion where if he's healthy, he plays. 
that's how I view him during this era of Tottenham. Um, I'd say Alderweireld was one of, if not, they're the most consistent players on this team. So, you know, he's up there in age. I think, what is he, 32? He'll be 33. Um, so maybe it was time, but uh, I don't know. I would say that for maybe this year, at least, he he might be missed. And he was a, a great player for them, certainly, a part oh, of so many huge moments. So uh, all the best for him moving forward. It's weird now that that Toby and Jan Tottenham partnership is officially, I mean, truly no more. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a new era. That's for it, sure. It definitely is. And it's going to be interesting to see how those stalwarts are replaced. Yeah. Is it, it's like Joe Rodon is, is his time now? I don't know. We'll see. Oh, well, if it's not now, when is it? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, he's not Nuno's signing. So I don't know. They may, they may be just looking for a new back partnership altogether. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's all it's all up in the air, JJ. Uh, Everton beating uh, Milaneros in the in the uh, Florida Cup, Andrew. That great uh, tournament of prestige, and uh, so they won. Uh, so they won that game ten nine on penalties. They will play uh, Pumas on Wednesday in the Florida Cup playoff. So there you go. <laughs> it's all happening for Everton. Well, good for them, I suppose. May as well win if you're going to play, regardless of what it is you're playing in. Indeed, indeed. That's Um, about all I got. Yeah, I'm sure there's other stuff, but we'll we'll get to it uh, later in the week, I think. Yeah, maybe we'll come back Thursday. We'll have a a week's worth of of mailbags from all the people out there. We'll recap the semifinal, and we'll know whether or not the Americans are marching on to the final of this year's Gold Cup. Good stuff, Andrew. Yep. Well, hey, go get some sleep, JJ. You're you're irritable. Um, you're in a very dark room. I can barely even see you. Uh, the lighting is poor. Um, I think it's, you're really trying to set the tone of what an after midnight podcast should look like visually. Yeah. I'm I'm setting an ambiance, Andrew. Um, I, I I always like to project some uh, sense of menace when I do a podcast, and uh, I feel what, it. <laughs> you often feel it. Yeah, I yeah. feel it. Well, hey, good stuff, man. Props to the U.S. moving on to the semifinals. We'll be back Thursday evening with a um, bonus podcast following their semi against Qatar. JJ, I enjoyed it. To you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. See ya. Good night. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 